Thank you. Thank you. All right, so I have to warn you guys that I am feeling a little fired up tonight. Um, I speak fairly infrequently, and so when I do speak, I get the pleasure and the honor of kind of speaking whatever I currently need to hear in this phase of my life, what I think all of you need to hear in this phase of your life, and whatever God puts on me. I don't have to follow a series or anything. I kind of just get free reign, which is awesome. Um, I don't follow any of the structures that Eric's taught about on how to prepare sermons. I don't have it on my iPad. I just write it up and do what makes me feel excited to share. So our verse for tonight is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So a couple of years ago, I spoke on a topic very close to my heart. I called it the importance of processing pain. And I talked about some painful circumstances I had just recently gone through with my family and the birth of my daughter. And basically the summary of it, the truth that I was teaching on that night, is that if we don't thoroughly process painful moments and experiences in our lives, if we don't thoroughly feel those feelings of pain, we actually will never heal from them. If we suppress them, if we ignore them, if we numb ourselves to them, we actually also are numbing ourselves to experiencing joy in our lives and experiencing other feelings. What do I need to do? Move it here and closer to your mouth. Oh. Could you not hear me? Now you can. I always felt like I was a good projector anyways. Um, no one's ever asked me to speak up before, so. Uh, so when we suppress those feelings of pain, when we numb them, we can do that. We, you can actually be very successful at numbing pain in your life. But the consequence of that is that we're also numbing ourselves from other feelings as kind of a byproduct, such as experiencing full joy in our lives. As many of you know, I'm a veterinarian. I have horrified many of you with stories of what I do for a, a living. I have no genitalia stories tonight, so none. I do have stories, but none regarding anything you will be disgusted by. So as a veterinarian, part of my job is to actually, is to numb things. I'm paid to do it. And I can tell you from experience that no matter how selective I am, no matter how specific I am in numbing a nerve, or even if I'm just putting the needle by a branch of a nerve with a little bit of local anesthetic, I always numb other things by default. It's kind of like when you go to the dentist and you know when they give you the shot of local anesthetic to work on your tooth? And don't you always leave with a numb cheek or a numb tongue, something else in your mouth that's numb? It's the same exact way. When we numb our feelings of pain, we're stunting other areas of our lives and preventing ourselves from living in freedom. Because to be fully free, you have to be able to fully feel. 
as we all learn, for those of us that have done the amazing program called Christ Life. Yes, lots of alumni here. Enroll yourself if you haven't already. Feelings are meant to be felt, and they are valid, though they don't speak to the truth in our lives. So tonight, I'm going to talk about a different aspect of dealing with pain. I'm not going to teach on how to deal with the feelings of pain, but rather what our actions should be in the face of pain. My previous teaching was on the importance of feeling the pain, and tonight it's about what we're supposed to do. And I'm much more of a doer, anyways, so that's why I'm excited. And I believe that there is an attribute of the Christian walk that we gloss over way too often in the church. And that's the attribute of the Christian walk that's about being, actually being a tough, being pretty tough, being resilient, being elastic, being capable of powering through painful choices because you so desperately want to do what's right. Because it's so easy to be a Christian and it's so easy to do the right thing and to follow God's word and to heed his call in your life when it is easy or when it feels good. But what are we doing when the right thing involves pain, when it involves taking the harder route or sacrificing comfort? Well, that's when our true characters are built, and that's when our resiliency is tested. I think far too often we as Christians don't make the right choices because we don't have the spiritual muscles that we need to do so amidst pain. We live in a culture today that is all about avoiding pain. We live in a culture that's all about the quick fix, the get-rich-quick schemes, taking the easy routes, the easy friendships, you know, making friends only with people that are easy to relate to, match you socially, match you economically. I could go on and on. And I'm part of this society, and I am also tempted by doing these same things. I don't like the feeling of pain. A couple of weeks ago, Eric and I, Eric Knopf, my husband, we were talking, and he asked me kind of a bizarre question to me, but I think he asked me out of curiosity or, I don't know, suspicion, but we'll say curiosity. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to say? No. <laughs> he asked me, he asked me out of curiosity, he's like, what are the things that tempt you in life right now? Like, what are you struggling with? What's a temptation that you're struggling with? And I really don't think he was asking me this because he wanted to be my accountability partner. And I really do not recommend that your accountability partners with your significant other. I think that's a very bad idea. I would recommend ladies, have somebody else spy on your husband. Don't do it. You're not going to want to cozy up to them. So anyways, I think Eric is like, out of curiosity or a stimulated conversation, he's like, hey, like, what are you tempted with right now in life? Like, what is something you struggle against with your temptation? And I really thought about it, and I said, honestly, the thing I'm tempted to do the most right now is to hide away and read books. And he laughed at my very serious confession. I think he even rolled his eyes. And he went, seriously, you're tempted to read books. That is like your struggle right now in life, your biggest sin temptation. So now this discussion is starting to deteriorate. We probably should start talking about whether we're going to Chipotle or, I don't know, 
Thai food for dinner. But um, I said, no, seriously, I think I could hide away in a room for a year, not see anybody, and just read books. And so at first glance, I mean, that seems kind of like a silly temptation. I think, I don't know if he's expecting me to say that I'm tempted to drink a bottle of wine every night, which it's only half a bottle, not a full bottle. You know, I don't know. Maybe something more glamorous. But when I started to think about it, and what the Holy Spirit kind of revealed to me, is that that temptation that came out of my mouth really has nothing to do with reading books. But has everything to do with avoiding reality, avoiding painful choices, avoiding the hard things in life. It has to do with a lack of resiliency and strength to get up and not only live my life, but live my life with wholeness and integrity and strength. Because that sounds like a lot of work. And so my temptation was like, I'd rather just hide away somewhere and just get lost in a novel. Well, I'm happy to report that I've yet to succumb to hiding away for a year with books. And I'm actually really proud of myself for the resiliency that I do have and for the strength that I do feel, which is the Lord's strength in me, the spiritual muscles that he and I have built together in me that have given me the fortitude to make some really uncomfortable and painful decisions in my life that ultimately have resulted in more freedom and more joy. And it's so worth it. I actually even had my toughness confirmed by, I went to a, an acupuncturist for some neck pain that I have, and it's chronic neck pain, and I know exactly where it comes from. It comes from my job, which involves looking under things and into things on animals. I didn't say anything. And, all, and, all, yeah, and also carrying around my 30-year-old, he's still 30-year-old, not my husband. That's why my neck hurts. I mean, my 30-pound, you call that Freudian slip there, but my 30-pound baby uh, around my, and so those two things combined. So I went to this acupuncture to get uh, some acupuncture done on my neck. And I'm sitting in the chair, and one thing they do uh, in some Eastern medicine is they examine your ear, and they found that their acupuncture points on your ear that correspond to different parts of your body, and it's part of her exam. And so I'm sitting there, and she's just kind of doing her thing on my ear, and she stops. This is my first time meeting her, and she stops, and she goes, she looks at me, and she goes, you are a very tough lady. You are very tough. And I kind of was taken aback, and I'm just sitting there, and I looked at her, and I was like, I am tough. I am a very tough lady. It felt very affirming to me. But anyways, my goal for tonight, <laughs> I, I was, I was like, here's your money, here's my credit card. No. Uh, uh, so my goal for tonight is that I end this by having given you some tools on how to develop toughness in our Christian walks. So when difficult circumstances come our way, we already have the muscle and resilience to continue to make the right choices because we are not wimps. So, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the gym. I know many of you are, because I see your Facebook photos. But I'm not a huge fan of the gym. I don't really enjoy any part of it, but I do go. And the reason I go is because I have seen, I'm mature enough to have seen the benefits of being physically fit that overflow into the rest of my life. 
I have more energy, I have more strength for my children, more strength for my job, I can eat more. And so when I see all those benefits pour into my life, I go. I don't like it, and I've gone a lot, so don't tell me I have to go more so that I, like, I just don't like it. And one thing we've all heard in reference to working out is no pain, no gain. In other words, we get the greater value rewards for the price of hard and painful work. We will be required in life to endure pain if we're going to achieve excellence. In fact, scientific research has shown that the resiliency of a person is a better determiner of their success than their IQ. The resiliency of a person is a better determiner of their excellence in life than their IQ. And I believe that often the right decisions in our lives are the hardest to make, not because we don't know what is the right thing to do, but because we don't want to feel the pain of doing it. However, making the right decisions despite the pain is what builds our character. Strength of character is built in these private battles. And this is what grooms you for a successful life. And ultimately, here's the catch. You can have as much favor in your life as you want. You could win the lottery. You could have favor of all different kinds, success in the workplace, success in relationships. But that favor will be your downfall if you do not have the character to continue obeying God. God requires our participation in life. He desires to be our co-laborers, and he needs us. He needs us to co-labor with him to fulfill his promises in our lives. And here's a note on prophetic words that I wanted to share, just a side note on prophetic words. Have any of you ever received a prophetic word in your life that has never been fulfilled, or you're still waiting, and you feel like you've been waiting a long time for it to be fulfilled? I would challenge you that sometimes prophetic words in your life go unfulfilled, not because they're not true, but because they require our participation. The prophetic words, a lot of times, are merely pointing to our potential. They're pointing to what God sees for our life, what he knows our life can go to. But it actually requires our participation, that prophetic word, for it actually to come to true and come to pass. So this requires us to be really proactive in our walks and willing to press into painful decisions. It's just like a weightlifter wanting to surpass their um, personal record, their PR, their personal best. They will never pass their PR if they're concentrating on avoiding pain. Will not happen. God wants us to become mature believers who think and act like him out of our own free will. And I have to tell you, there's no reason to be afraid of pain because God's word overflows, absolutely overflows with promises of what he has for us and for the promises of how he's always constant by our sides, no matter what. God will never leave you. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's the deal. No matter how much we tried, and I have tried a lot, because I like to control things, we cannot control our circumstances. We absolutely cannot control our circumstances. But I have hope 
for those of you that are control freaks, because there is one area of your life that you have 100% control over, 100% control over, and that is your character. You have complete control over your character. When I was in high school, that's when I was starting to get the dream of becoming a veterinarian. And when I started getting the dream of becoming a veterinarian, I, start, I kind of started telling people, so people knew at school that, you know, I was kind of interested in it. And at the time, I was in an honors chemistry class. Now, I've always been a really good student. I was struggling in this class. I could not hang. And I struggled and I struggled. Have you ever been in those classes like you just you are lost from the beginning of lecture to the end of the lecture. And they started with something in the beginning, you didn't even get that part, and then by the middle, you're like, you're still at like part one. And I just remember sitting there and like being totally lost. So it kind of became readily apparent that this class, I, I needed to drop out of the honors class and go down to the general ed. So I, I remember this so clearly, and this is why it's so important what you say to young people, because you never know what really sticks in their minds. But I remember so clearly going to my high school teacher and telling him, hey, I, as you can tell, I've been really struggling in your class. I just have been overwhelmed. I can't figure out how to even catch up for how behind I am, no matter how hard I try. So I'm just letting you know that I need you to sign this slip so I can drop out of your class and go to the general class. And I'll never forget. The first words out of his mouth is like, well, you're never going to be a veterinarian. He's like, you won't be able to be a veterinarian. He's like, how can you ever expect to be able to treat animals, calculate drug dosages, deal with the pharmacokinetics of veterinary medicine if you can't handle my class? And we're just, you know, standing there. Well, I just know I can't do your class, so I signed my slip. I left. So I went to the general chemistry, and I worked my butt off, and I just kept pushing forward. So we fast forward. I'm now in my senior year of college, and I'm applying to veterinary school. It's extremely competitive. My dad, who I think had good intentions, but hey, all things can have good intentions. He said, Camille, what's your backup plan? I said, I don't have a backup plan. This is what I want to do. I want to be a vet. I'm applying to vet school. He's like, well, you're not going to get in. He's like, you need to be realistic. Like, it's so competitive. Like, your chances of getting in especially your first time applying, are really low. He's like, you need to think about, you're about to graduate. Like, in a few months, you need to think about what you're going to do. And he started throwing out all these alternative careers. And I remember standing there thinking, I don't want to do those things. And I think I even said, I'm like, I don't want to be those things you're suggesting. He's like, we need to think about it. Okay. So I still applied. I did all my applications. I ended up getting in to the top vet school in the country, the number one vet school. And actually, I will say, we would not be doing epic life here right now if I hadn't gone into that vet school because that's what brought Eric and I to Sacramento. It's crazy how things work. Um, all right, so let's fast forward. Story's not over. I'm now in my senior year of veterinary school. It's time to get a job. Eric's telling me, hey, we're not leaving Sacramento, by the way. You need to get your job here. All right. I didn't just say all right, but I'll just say all right for the sake of the story. And... I couldn't get a job. I couldn't get a job. All my classmates were getting jobs. I couldn't job. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. Everybody you know has a job except for you. It's kind of embarrassing. You kind of start to wonder, 
What's wrong with me? And I, so I couldn't get a job. Finally, I, I got like a temporary job. And it became very readily apparent to Eric before me that really the only way for me to have the type of veterinary practice I want to have in Sacramento is I needed to start my own business. He comes to me, he's like, you need to start your business. Well, that seemed like the worst idea I've ever heard of. I have zero interest in business. I don't, I'm allergic to spreadsheets. I can't even sign forms. I don't, like, don't even want to receive checks and have to put them in the bank. Like, I am not into any of that. I just want to take care of the animals. So Eric's like, I'll hold your hand, I'll start your own business. And it was horrible in the beginning. Because I had, you remember, start a business and you have to get clients. I had no clients. No one knew who I was. So I had to go and go door to door. Eric and I would drive, I mean, we'll never forget, in his little red truck, we'd drive around, and anybody that had a horse, we'd go and like shove flyers in their mailbox and introduce ourselves. And oh, for my personality, it was, it was mortifying. I'm not a salesperson. And it was, you know, it's really easy sometimes to start feeling like a failure. And I kind of felt like, was this failure predicted all along? I mean, I had all along the way, like, very important people in my lives. Family, teachers, all these different people tell me that what I was never going to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And it would have been way easier to stay frozen. But I didn't. And within a couple years, I had a practice that was so prosperous, I had to stop taking new clients, and I started having to turn down business. And I'm sharing that story as an example of a journey that spanned, oh my gosh, 15 plus years, where I had multiple painful circumstances that were trying to stop me from accomplishing that dream. And the thing that got me through were the spiritual muscles and the resilience that I had built up to just keep doing what I was supposed to do. Oh, one other thing my dad said was he reminded me when he told me I was probably not going to get in, he said, he reminded me, which they loved to remind me of how my brother had a higher IQ than me. And my brother wasn't doing as well as I was doing in school. And he's like, Camille, he's like, your brother, he has a higher IQ than you. He's not getting in anywhere. And it brings me back to what I said earlier. Who has a better chance of being successful in life? The resilience factor or the IQ factor? It's the resilience. And it's been shown over and over again. So here are some of the tools you need, some of your gym exercises, some of the weights you can lift to receive the gift of the Lord's strength to pump up those spiritual muscles. So let's get back to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I have two overall points first about this verse. First, that is God's will for your life. It has nothing to do with who you marry, if you're single, who you're dating, what your job is. That's God's will for your life. Secondly, those three things, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, those three actions are all things that have to do with our own will. They are not things that God is going to do for us. He can give us the strength to do them, but we have to voluntarily do them ourselves. They are a lifestyle. This is all lifestyle stuff. Just like exercise is a lifestyle. 
It's only effective when you do it regularly. These are things that are meant to be ongoing in our lives, the things we practice when life is easy. So it's equipping us for when it's difficult. So let's break them down. I'm going to start in everything give thanks. And these are my thoughts, some of my thoughts on each of them. So in everything give thanks. Thankfulness begins with acknowledging the truth about our lives, that God gives us many gifts. And this truth then sets us free to see the greatness that he has for us. So it starts with just going, this is what's true about my life right now and what I'm thankful for and the things that God has given me right now. Because if we don't recognize what we've been giving right now, we, can't ex- we cannot experience the life of abundance that God has for us because that means if we can't be thankful for what we have right now, giving us more, giving us more victories, more breakthroughs, more things will have such a small significance if we can't start with where we're at. Receiving God's strength and abundance for your life begins with gratitude. Thankfulness inherently carries an attitude of humility, of relinquishing control, of admitting that you need him. When we fail to sustain thanksgiving in our lives, when we fail to stay grateful in our lives, we actually are cutting ourselves off from understanding our purpose in God. And when you lose sight of your purpose in God, you're going to inevitably make choices that are outside of God's intention for your lives. Do you see that that huge consequence? Let me say that again. When we fail to remain thankful in our lives, when we fail to remain gratitude for what we to have gratitude for what we have right now, we cut ourselves off from knowing our purpose in God. And when you lose sight of your purpose in God, you will inevitably make decisions that are outside of his intention for your life. That's a huge consequence to not being grateful. And my last thought on Thanksgiving is when we focus on the good in our lives, we're actually then opening the door to have the Lord's joy come into our lives. And what is that saying? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So when we focus on what's good in our lives, we open the door to have his joy come in, and that joy gives us strength. What a great way to build up muscles. So rejoice always. You don't have to have it up there. Did you know that praising God, even when you don't feel like it, I am giving hope to some of you, even when you don't feel like it, still cancels agreements with the enemy? Bill Johnson, he's a great pastor. He wrote a great book that I recommend highly called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord. He talked about when he was a really young pastor, he would go um, to the sanctuary late, late at night all by himself. And he would worship the Lord for hours. And he admitted he would do it not feeling like doing it. But he said he lived in a house right behind the sanctuary. Late at night, he'd go, he'd walk into the sanctuary, and he would just start worshiping the Lord, whether he felt like it or not. And he said he would worship, and he would stay in there and worship until it no longer felt like effort. He said he would stay there and worship until the clouds filling his head would shift, and he said he would start feeling alive. And he pointed out, I thought this was such a great point. He goes, some argue that it is hypocritical to do something you don't feel like doing. But I think it's because he pointed out that it is hypocritical. He goes, to me, it's hypocritical to do only what I feel like doing and still call myself a believer. Do you catch that? 
Because some people would say, well, it's hypocritical for me to sing the worship songs if I'm not in the mood. And he's like, actually, it's hypocritical to only do what you feel like doing and still call yourself a believer. Right actions release the right emotions and the right thinking. When God commands us to rejoice always, he's actually expressing his desire for us to have joy, and he's telling us how to receive it. So we don't only rejoice and praise him because we have joy, but we actually rejoice and praise him because we are pursuing joy. Does that make sense? So we don't only praise him because that's how we feel. We praise him because that's how we want to feel. And remember what I said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Pray without ceasing. The most effective life of prayer is not the one that most of us have done in most of our lives, which is just throwing up prayer requests and hoping something gets answered somehow. The kind of prayer that gets results is the kind of prayer that happens when we pray because we're drawing closer to God. And when we draw closer to him, and then when we can hear him tell us what he thinks of us, what he wants us to do, where we can then stand as co-labors with him and then declare what he has said over our circumstances. Almost everyone, Christian or non-Christian, cries out to God when they are desperate. Desperation is actually not an expression of faith. God definitely hears our cries. He answers them. But what he desires from us is a prayer life that comes from faith and relationship. And only through that type of prayer life can we be strengthened. You will not be strengthened if your prayer life is just about sending up prayer requests or calling out to God when you're scared or desperate. He hears you, but he wants so much more. He wants to see you develop some muscles, some resilience, some spiritual resilience. And that can only happen when your prayer life is coming from drawing close to him and hearing what he has to say to you. So just a few additional thoughts in case you guys want to do a few extra exercises. Speak God's promises over your life. This determines the direction of your thought life and your desires. And you know what you think is where you go. So when you speak his promises over your life, when that's where your desires and thoughts start going, you're going to start seeing the direction of your life going that way. This is the weight training of your mind. You are training your mind to think of yourself according to how God speaks to you. One other thing Pastor Bill Johnson talked about in his book, which I also loved, is he had talked about when he struggles with his faith, when he's feeling really drained spiritually and just struggling with a lot of emotions, he always goes to the book of Psalms. Because he says, there's a psalm for every human condition. And he goes, I start reading the Psalms until I find the Psalm that really speaks to my condition at that moment, to how I feel. He goes, and then I take that Psalm and I make that Psalm my resting place for my feelings. And I just read that Psalm over and over and over again. And I allow my feelings to rest right there in that Psalm. And that refreshes him and it actually feeds his soul by meditating on that Psalm. And it boosts himself. And I thought that was such a simple but powerful thing to do when you just are feeling a lot of turmoil, because we will feel turmoil at times. Another exercise to do is foster the sense of expectation and the hope for what God can do in your life. I take a Pilates class in Midtown, and they start every class. We're on our mats, and they say, before we start class, set your intention 
Think about your intention right now, why you are here. Set a goal in your mind and think in your mind of what your goal is. And then later in class, when you get tired and you want to give up, just stop and go back to that goal and go back to that intention. Now, I'm off of my goal on the mat is like, be able to wear my swimsuit, be able to put those shorts back, eat extra dessert tonight, you know, and then when I get tired, I start thinking about that goal again. But that still can be my goal. But that totally applies to our Christian life. Set a goal, set a hope in your mind for where you want to see your life going. And then when you get tired, when you want to give up, you quit, you go back to the intention. You go back to the hope. Ah, oh, that's where I'm going. Going along with that is the power of testimonies. We, so, we forget. We forget so often of what he's done in our lives or done in the lives of others. And we're on to our next crisis. That's why testimonies are so powerful. We do them here. But remind yourself, write down or record it. But tell a friend that can speak it back to you of what Christ has done in your life. This is so powerful. And all these tools, they're just designed to help us draw from his strength. He makes it so readily available to us. And I just want to close with one other verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's what I have for you tonight. <laughs>